Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting, the outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Gene pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. To say we lost a legend this weekend would be the understatement of the year, maybe of the century. Losing Hank Aaron on Friday at the age of 86 rocked the baseball world. Tributes poured in from everywhere. You heard the call from Vin Scully of his 715th home run to top Babe Ruth's record. He ended up with 755 home runs on the Mount Rushmore of greatest baseball players of all time without a doubt. And that's just what a loss for baseball this week. Again, Hank Aaron passed away on Friday at the age of 86. Left his mark on the game in more ways than one. And yeah, that one that one hurt on Friday morning. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Chicago Sound Alliance. I'm your host, Nick Schultz, here with you until noon. Great to be with you for another week. We've got a lot in store for this week's show. A lot of Cubs talk to start. Because the Cubs are in the news, which means something's wrong. And yes, they did something wrong in more ways than one. And also, the fans kind of turned on Chris Bryant in a way. I've got some audio to play from that. That'll be coming up. Bulls went on a win streak. First three-game win streak in almost two years, if you can believe that. Coming up in the second half hour, maybe in the first half hour. Uh, The Blackhawks beat the Red Wings. Just want to throw that out there. It's great that the Hawks and the Red Wings are playing each other again. And... The fact that the Blackhawks finally got their first win of the season against Detroit did my heart good, and I know I'm not alone as a Hawks fan. So I'll talk a little bit about that. The Bull or the Bulls, the Bears have a new defensive coordinator, and there's rumors about a certain quarterback floating around from the NFC North. His name is being tossed around as a possible new quarterback for the Bears. I'm not really sold on that, but some people are, so I'll kind of dissect all of that. If I have some time, we'll probably talk some Missouri Valley basketball. I covered Illinois State Valparaiso yesterday. It was a good game. And Loyola Bradley coming up today at 3 o'clock. Finally, it's one of those games that's going to be contender for series of the year, in my opinion. So we'll have that coming up as well if we have some time. Playoff football today as well. Packers-Buccaneers coming up first, and then Chiefs-Bills to close it out tonight at 5.30. And we have to talk about the Conor McGregor fight. Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier fought last night. And the outcome was not what I expected, and I will tell you why I didn't expect that coming up toward the end of the show. Let's start with the Cubs, though, because this feels like it was two weeks ago now, but it was just Monday that news came out that John Lester is heading to Washington to play for the Nationals. Yeah, John Lester. Everyone was talking about maybe he was retiring Maybe he was hanging it up. Maybe he was calling it a career. No, quite the opposite. He's going to Washington with Kyle Schwarber and Davey Martinez to play for the Nationals at $10 million for one year. I've heard a lot of different perspectives on this. 
And what I mean by that is I've heard people say, oh, I'm really happy for John. He's got a new opportunity. It's great for him. Thanks for the last, however, six years in Chicago. I, I get that side number. I, don't get me wrong. I'm really happy for John Lester. I'm glad he's still playing. Baseball's a better game with him in the game. And I, I'm glad that he's playing another year. I do wish that he would have played that extra year with the Cubs. Because I, I want to find the tweet from Bob Nightingale here at USA Today. John Lester, you can, you can make a strong case, and I will... I support this case. Greatest free agent signing in Cubs history, maybe in baseball history. Or in baseball history. In Chicago history. I knew what I meant. <laughs> Sorry. I'm all over the place this morning. But no. Best free agent signing in Cubs history, maybe in Chicago history. That's what I meant to say. I apologize for the misspeak there. I'm, I own, I'm acting as my own producer here. And I'm trying to find this tweet. And I'm scatterbrained right now because I'm, I'm having trouble finding it. Here's a tweet from Bob Nightingale, by the way, that John Lester helped Cubs end World Series curse, but instead of one final season with a chance to win his 200th game in a Cubs uniform, is shown the door. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. He's at 199 career wins. He's highly regarded in the city of Chicago. Ever, you, you don't hear people say a bad word about John Lester. How many players in Chicago sports history have bought their fans beer? John Lester went to these different bars and like went to he like went to the owners and said, "Hey, I want to start a tab at all these for all the Cubs fans to thank them for the support the last six years. Put it on John's tab." He bought beer for fans. He is immensely popular in the city of Chicago, and when he signed in, was that? Winter of 2014 going into the 2015 season, I think is when he signed. It signaled the Cubs were entering win-now mode. It signaled the rebuild is over, it's game on. And it's what made him such a big signing at the time. Was that the Cubs had gone through, <laughs> it was a very painful rebuild. And you knew it would be. But... Signing John Lester at the same time you brought in a guy like Joe Madden, it signaled, okay, we're in it to win it now. And lo and behold, 2016, Cubs won it. They finally won the World Series. And we knew we, we knew Lester's contract was going to run out after 2020. And there was talk of maybe picking up the option for 2021. It would have been a hefty option. And the fact that the Cubs non-tendered him a couple weeks ago now. It was $8 million they saved by non-tendering him. You kind of knew that was coming because the Ricketts family is talking about, oh, we don't have any money. More on that in a second. You figured John would just hang it up. There was rumors abound that Lester played his last game with the Cubs, probably going to go into retirement, and instead... He's playing another year, which I'm again. I'm really uh, don't get. I don't want this to get misconstrued. I'm happy he's still playing baseball. I just wish it'd be on the north side of Chicago instead of Washington D.C. I was talking to a buddy of mine about this. My, my buddy John Zagul. He's a rising star in sports journalism in Chicago. You can hear him on WCKG. He hosts he hosts a show on there. He posts videos on YouTube. And he posted a clip on Facebook the other day about how Cubs fans need to look at the positives about John Lester's career and how and look at what he did. And instead of worrying about the egregious handling of his situation, I'm paraphrasing, of course, that Cubs fans should be happy for him. I, and I agree with him. Like, yeah, you, you, I wish no ill will. I don't wish him to to go out there and lose. I mean, like John said, he avo he's avoiding a rebuild, joining a contender, and can still retire as a Cub. Yeah, I mean, he can. And it makes him the winner of the breakup. And I, I agree with John on that point. However, the bigger issue at hand is you can't tell me he wouldn't have given a hometown discount. Bob Nightingale said it. And, I mean, I, you can, I know people say what they 
say what they want about Nightingale and his reporting, but no, I he's pretty dialed in, especially in Chicago. The fact that he's saying that John Lester wanted to win his 200th game in a Cubs uniform and the Cubs just wouldn't pony it up, and I guess they didn't even come close to the $10 million the Nationals were going to give him, it's a new low. I understand cost-cutting. I get it. I mean, you trade... you. You traded you Darvish to get rid of his salary. I don't care what they say. It was a salary dump. If anyone can name one of the guys they got back besides Zach Davies from the Padres, I'll buy you a drink. Because none of those guys are a top 10 prospect. And that's, the, that's what made it a salary dump. So I get that part. You're, you're trying to get rid of salary. But to do it this way, you let... One of the most beloved players in franchise history, especially of the last decade, just walk away without even coming close to making an offer because your owner has handcuffed the new president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, because they have no money. It's, I keep saying it, it's a new low. John Lester always talked about how much he loved the city of Chicago and it, it you it showed the emotion showed in like the press conferences and even his last game at Wrigley Field there were no fans there and you could tell he was getting emotional because he wanted to play in front of the fans one more time so, and you treat him like this I understand everything with money but at a point you got to say we've got a chance to bring this guy back and do the right thing and they didn't. They did the opposite. They just let him walk. So now he gets to go join Kyle Schwarber and Davey Martinez. And rumors are flying that Wilson Contreras might be heading out there too. May as well gift wrap him with a bow and say, from Tom Ricketts. It's sad. Because we're not even five years from the World Series. It was November of 2016. We just passed four years. Just this year, 2021, will be five years since the World Series. The window of opportunity as it was billed was that 2021 would be the closing of the window. The, the window of opportunity of winning would close at the, in 2021. Because Theo Epstein was supposed to be here through 2021. And all these contracts run out at the end of 2021. Theo left early because he saw the writing on the wall. And now look what's happening. I really thought I'd come out here like, spitting fire the whole time because I really haven't talked about this much. I thought I'd react like I did to like a bad bear's loss or something where I just kind of scream into the microphone for half an hour. But I'm surprisingly calm. And I'm also surprised I didn't have this take until I read Gordon Whitmire's column at NBC Sports Chicago, NBCSportsChicago.com, which before I get to this, it was a tough day in our industry on Thursday. We lost three great writers from NBC Sports Chicago, Scott King, J.J. Stankovitz, and Cam Ellis were laid off due to the COVID pandemic has obviously tightened a lot of belts. And I just do want to acknowledge that three very talented writers, I got to know Scott really well during my internship there. So just, I just wanted to make note of that. And I, I, they're not listening, but I don't think they're listening, but I wish them all the best in whatever's next. Cause I mean, it's just a, the whole situation just sucks. But anyway, on NBCSportsChicago.com, Gordon Whitmire wrote this column, and here's the headline. If Cubs can't afford Lester on discount, it's time to sell the team. That's the headline. And he goes on to say, when the richest franchise not located in New York or Los Angeles starts behaving like the Pirates and the Royals for the second time in less than a decade, find the guys in charge of the quote-unquote wheelbarrows, wheelbarrows full of money to find the problem. Polarizing politics aside, ownership's business decisions to hyperextend the Cubs' reach and debt through neighborhood acquisitions and construction projects during the post-title boom years has left them cash-tapped and red-faced during the pandemic downturn. NBC Sports Chicago's David Kaplan reports the Cubs carry about $1 billion with a B in debt between the franchise and the Ricketts family's real estate company Hickory Street Capital. That reality transcends any issues surrounding player development or free agent decisions, leaving a $3.2 billion franchise 
ill-equipped to better endure what Chairman Tom Ricketts called quote-unquote biblical industry losses and leaving its billionaire owners unwilling to take the short-term hit. Every team in baseball suffered losses in 2020 and might again in 2021. And we go down a little bit here. The mandate from ownership and the business side wouldn't allow President of Baseball Operations Jed Hoyer to make an offer. And even when the Nationals' offer came in, and Lester gave the Cubs a chance to counter, the Cubs were quote-unquote not close to the Nats, perhaps as low as $2 million. Now a little more. More embarrassing yet is the fact that this payroll slashing, which isn't done and might exceed 35% from the 2020 base by the time the season opens, marks the second time for such a dramatic teardown and overhaul in just nine years. That's from Gordon Whitmire, and read the full column. I mean, I'll give it a retweet. I'll tweet it out. If anyone wants to read it, I will, I will send it to you. That was—I I did not expect to see that column. I mean, that was that same day, if I'm not mistaken. He's got a point. If you're that much in debt, and you're running the team like this. The thing about these times, and in case you didn't know this, we live in unprecedented times, in case you haven't been paying attention to, you know, the world around us with the pandemic. You can't have a money ball situation. Jed Hoyer is not Billy Bean. Jed Hoyer is a first-time president of baseball operations. This is the first time he's running the show like this. He's running the entire show. He doesn't have Theo on top to protect him anymore. It's his show, and he's not hiring a GM, supposedly because of the pandemic. They can't afford a GM either. He's not Billy Bean. You're not going to have a money ball type of situation where you get these guys for super cheap and they're going to make an impact. I mean, the Cubs signed Austin Romine to a deal. That's great. A million and a half dollars. I'm, I'm glad they're going cheap to save some money because they need to save money, I guess. But man, it's, it's a new low when a guy like John Lester just walks away. And you can't even come close. That's the thing. Again, he'd have probably given a discount, but he didn't come close. And like Gordon wrote, this isn't over. The cost cutting is going to continue. Wilson Contreras is probably going to be next. That's what the that's what all signs are pointing to. But it is a shame that they're slamming the window of opportunity closed right now. And I get the pandemic didn't help. Losing fans in the stands hurt big time. I get that. Tom Ricketts was crying poor a year before the pandemic was even a thought. I remember the year-end press conference when he talked about we don't have any money. Remember that? No, that was not March of 2020 when the pandemic was getting underway and there were going to be no fans in the stands and there were no sports and spring training got canceled. This was after the 2019 or at the 2019 season, after 2018 season. He was crying poor. And look where we're at. Another Cub who might be traded, at least he's been in trade rumors the last couple of years, is Chris Bryant. Because Chris Bryant's got a, heavy, a hefty contract. And he went on Redline Radio at Barstool Sports. Now, full disclosure, I've never listened to Redline Radio. I follow them. I listen to a couple clips on Twitter now and again. I've never listened to the full show. But Chris Bryant went on and he made some interest I, I want to say interesting comments, but they weren't bad comments. Like when I say he made some interesting comments, I don't want it to seem like he said something controversial that could get him in trouble. Not quite. I'm just going to I'm going to play this clip from Barstool Sports, Redline Radio, to obviously the Chicago Sports Podcast. Chris Bryant went on 
And here's what he had to say about the last couple of years in Chicago. Listen, there's a lot of noise right now, obviously surrounding the Cubs, surrounding you. Like, are you still having fun out there, man? Like, is it still? Um, that's a great question. A really good question. Um, at times, no. At times, it really, it, it, it got, it, it really got to me sometimes. Like, just the stuff I was hearing, and I, I think I talked about this a little bit. Like, 2018, like the first trade rumors that started to pop up, like that really got to me. And then, like, I found myself like, man, is this even fun anymore? Like why did I start playing this game? You know, because it was fun. You know, obviously there's a lot of other stuff involved. Like you make a ton of money and there's fame and all this, but it's like, you got to get yourself back to why I started playing. And like, I just remember my first home run running around the bases. My dad picks me up after around third. I don't even touch home plate, but like, that's the kind of joy that you got to find. And like, I found myself sitting there like, I don't have that joy right now. So it's like, I'm trying all, all I can to kind of get back to that place. And like, I look back on this year, like it was really rough for me personally. That was Chris Bryant. You heard it talking about having fun or not having fun and dealing with everything. Chicago sports fans are cruel, man. I mean, this guy, rookie of the year, MVP, World Series ring. And I remember when he went down the Twitter rabbit hole and was looking at all the comments people were sending him and just kind of blaming him. And, you know, Chris Bryant is a very quiet guy. You don't hear him say a whole lot. And it's not a knock. I'm a shy person too. Because trust me, if you've known me long enough, and like I know people back home know this, and my parents can attest to it, I'm talking to you behind a microphone right now. When I'm behind a microphone, I open up. You take the microphone away and I'm out socially or whatever. I'm a very shy individual. I don't say a whole lot. Unless you say something that'll like, get me charged, and get me talking. Chris Bryant is a very shy individual, and there's nothing wrong with that. He just doesn't say a lot. So when he does these type of podcasts and he says something like that, people's ears perk up. And I really... I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I don't want to say anything. Usually when I... If I say something, I'll give someone a chance to back it up or rebut there have been some things said on twitter that rile me up and then there was a a headline for a story that was very clickbaity in a way and i I don't think it was meant to be it really i think the intention was good but the execution was poor and the way Chris Bryant has been treated the last week after going on the air with Barstool Sports and talking about, you heard him say he, he's there are times where he's just not having fun. I mean, there's trade rumors. He's been dealing with injuries. All this time, he just became a dad. And, I mean, people were ripping him for it. And I, my first thought was, the last few years, You've seen a lot more the human side of sports. What do I mean by that? You have seen athletes as humans. You see, especially I'm looking more toward the political realm, whether you agree with them or not, you see that they, they're using their voice. They want to make their voices heard because they're humans too. And people applaud them for that. But when a guy goes on a podcast and talks about how he struggles sometimes because of whether it be trolls on Twitter, whether it be trade rumors and stuff just weighing him down and you rip him for it, that's one of the most hypocritical things I've ever heard. I give Chris Bryant a lot of credit. That's not easy to go out and say, I'm just not having fun sometimes. I mean, there's stuff weighing him down. And Danny Parkins had some good points about this, too, on the radio. In this, quote-unquote, millennial culture we live in, or Generation Z culture we live in with social media, you give every Joe, Johnny, whoever, a voice. 
you give him a, you, not really a voice, you give him a megaphone. Whether people listen or not, it's a different story. But a guy like Chris Bryant, who's young, had a lot of success, he's been struggling, he, go, he goes on his phone and there's just all these people ripping him for basically no reason. Like, nobody's perfect. I know it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of world. But, yeah, he's struggling. He's playing through injuries. With all of that, what are we doing? Like, he he won MVP in 2016. They won the World Series in 2016. Then the injuries mounted. The numbers dipped. Nobody's perfect. I give him all the credit in the world for going out and talking about this. Especially because, again, he doesn't talk much. So when he does talk, especially something like this, listen. Don't just hear it. Listen to it. I don't know if Chris Bryant's going to be traded or not. I know growing up a Cubs fan, he was one, he's one of my favorite players in baseball. I kind of like the, the quiet demeanor, the let my game do the talking kind of thing. He doesn't do it like in a cocky way. It's just who he is. So when people go at him on social media and he sees it, yeah, it's going to weigh him down a little bit. Whether or not, like, yeah, oh, you shouldn't listen to random people on Twitter. Like, what, what do they know? Well, some people can't do that. When you hear, when you hear something so much, it, it's going to register with you. Like, if it was just one, like, no, nobody's Twitter feed is going to be all patting on the back. I can attest to that personally. Like, there's always going to be, there's at least one that'll poke fun, that'll get nasty, whatever. But when they're all like that, yeah, it piles up. We've been there's been a lot of focus on mental health, especially over the last year with the pandemic. Stuff like that for a guy like Chris Bryant doesn't help. And sometimes it impacts his game because his brain gets in the way. It happens. There's no reason to rip him for it. So next time a Chicago sports fan praises an athlete for showing a human side in that, I'm talking more like political statements, I want them to also talk about the human side in terms of being a human being and having emotions. Because we hear the bat flips. Oh, they they got to show their emotion. We love the bat flips. But... Don't go out and say you're sometimes not having fun. Give me a break. That ticked me off something fierce this week. So kudos, Chris Bryant. And I I didn't listen to the whole interview. I listened to most of it. Listen to the interview. Like I said, when Chris Bryant talks, you listen. Because he doesn't do it a lot. Let's get to a DM here. Daryl Horwitz, former host of the show. We're seeing what kind of owner the Ricketts are. Yeah. Yeah, you're seeing what kind of owner the Ricketts family are. They're, it's not great. And you see what the New York Mets are doing, where they're spending money. And one more thing. I, I'm, I want to transition to the Mets here for a second because this was this week too. Anyone follow the Jared Porter situation? Former Cubs executive who basically harassed a female foreign reporter in what was it 20 was it 2016 or 17 when he was with the Cubs yes he was with the Cubs when this went down and it just came out ESPN published a report this week Jeff Passan and uh, Mina Kimes did a did great work with it you're telling me and and the Cubs said they had no knowledge that this was going on, even though Porter admitted to texting the woman basically, incessantly. It was just... He was blowing up her phone, and she was not responding. You can't tell me that... I know someone in the Cubs did know this, because the story mentioned there was a Cubs employee who knew about this. I, I, need, I need to know more here. But if you haven't followed that situation, 
read the story. And he was he was fired the next day. Jared Porter was. Should have been fired as soon as the story came out, in my opinion. But if you haven't read that, it's just another great look for the Cubs. And I'm, I'm glad Jared Porter got fired. Should have been sooner, but a little bit of progress is better than nothing at all, I guess. As we hit the bottom of the hour, I want to remind you you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on 88.7 FM, WLUW, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I'm coming to you from my detached garage in Dwight, Illinois. We are in a new semester. All shows are remote for this semester, so yes, you are stuck with me until at least May from my garage in Dwight. I do want to move on to the Bulls, who put together a win streak. And I don't mean a two-game win streak. I'm talking an actual three-game win streak for the first time since February of 2019. Yeah, that's almost two years ago. Yeah, three in a row. Bulls are now, I think, 7-9 and nine after a loss to the, lopsided loss to the Lakers last night, which was to be expected because you had no Wendell Carter. And Anthony Davis was in the lineup with LeBron James this time. Last time the Bulls came close to beating the Lakers, Anthony Davis wasn't in the lineup. So when, when the Lakers' big man is in the lineup and the Bulls' big man is not in the lineup, yeah, that's kind of a recipe for disaster because I love Daniel Gafford. Don't get me wrong. He can't stop Anthony Davis. <laughs> it's just you're dealing with one of the best players in the game. There's, he's not going to be able to stop him. So I, I don't take too much from that loss last night other than some of the if, – if you haven't seen the play where Denzel Valentine tried to make a cute little pass and ended up throwing it away. I mentioned this, I think it was last week, where I brought up that uh, we need to have a conversation about Denzel Valentine. Time to have a serious conversation about Denzel Valentine. I don't, I don't think it's working. And he's, a, he's a good dude. I've, I've talked to him a couple times. I know his brother is an assistant at Loyola on the basketball team. Denzel, it's time to have a tough conversation about his future because he's been making some plays lately, That especially the one last night. I mean, he had... He had the layup, and he tried making a cute pass behind his back to Casper the Friendly Ghost. There was just nobody there, and I showed my friends the highlight, and they were expecting somebody to be there, and it, it just went out of bounds. But I, I do have some numbers. Think back. Think back to preseason after the draft, and I was talking about how the Bulls are going to take some big steps this year under Billy Donovan. And I think I still stand by this. They are a playoff team with Billy Donovan in charge. And I'm not saying top five seed. I'm saying literally the last seed in the East caliber playoff team. I want to read some stats. These are from my guys at NBC Sports Bulls and NBC Sports Chicago. In the last two seasons, bear with me here, the Bulls, were 27th in points per game, 26th in field goal percentage, 21st in three-point percentage, 26th in free throws made, don't even get me started, 25th in assists. This season, the Bulls are 4th in points per game, 7th in field goal percentage, 7th in three-point percentage, 6th in free throws made, that's a little better, isn't it? 10th in assists. And a note, they're fourth in points per game, averaging 117.8 points per game heading into last night. That would be a new franchise record. The current record is 114.9 points per game back in 1969 to 1970. That's what, that's what level the Bulls are playing at now. And I was talking to some, some guys at the bar the other night. I got, called, I got called in on Friday night to work. And because I've got the new Bulls podcast, which I, got, I, have, I do have an update on that later in this segment. I, because I'm hosting the Bulls podcast, they were asking me, okay, what, what do we need to know about the Bulls? Did they even add any, did they even bring in a free agent this year? I'm like, yeah, Garrett Temple. <laughs> brought in Garrett Temple, drafted Patrick Williams. Other than that, this is basically the same roster as last year, where I, you kept hearing, we're a playoff team, we're preparing 
as a playoff team. Trust me, I listened to that entire media day press conference with Jim Boyle and Gar Foreman and John Paxson. All they talked about was how, oh, we're a playoff team. Yeah. Well, on paper, yeah, they're a playoff team. Eight seed in the East. Maybe should have been in, like, should have been in the bubble if you looked at what they were on paper. But they didn't have a coach. They didn't have a leader. When you have a coach who goes out in the press conference and talks about, oh, we, well, we, uh, we won the first quarter, we lost second quarter, we lost third quarter, but we won the fourth quarter. It just wasn't enough to make up the 35-point deficit. When you have a coach who does that, you're not, that's not leadership. That's cliches and coach speak, which I know that's any coach in sports. I mean, you could point to any, any coach in any sport. There is cliches like that. But he, my point is he had no credibility. And even with the team, there was no credibility. There was a near mutiny when he came in because he was making them run suicides during practice. And was it two and a half, three-hour practices? That's unheard of in the NBA. Now, Billy Donovan is in. Billy Donovan is a proven winner. Look at what he did in Oklahoma City. He had five different teams that went to the playoffs five years in a row. In the West. In the West. The Western Conference, by just pure facts, by looking at the teams, is the superior conference. They are the better conference. The Eastern Conference is not good outside of like the top five teams. That's why when eight teams win, usually the Eastern Conference, the eight teams under 500. <clears throat> Orlando Magic, <clears throat> that was last year. In the Eastern Conference now, this team is a playoff team, and you, the numbers show it. This team could easily be, let's see, 7-9, and nine, 16 games. They could be 10-6 and six if the refs don't blow the calls in the Warriors game. Calls, plural, thanks to the last two-minute report. We know that and can get fired up about that. If they pull it off against the Lakers, if they don't blow a 22-point lead against the Oklahoma City Thunder, this, we could be having a completely different conversation about this Bulls team. But, like Billy Donovan said, they need to learn how to win. They don't know how to win because they've lost a lot of games the last few years. They're turning a corner, and these stats prove it. The crazy part is they're still not at full strength. They got Tomas Sadoransky and Chandler Hutchison back from COVID protocols or NBA health and safety protocols or whatever. They got them back the other night. Lowry Markin has been back in the lineup. Speaking of Lowry Markin. Remember earlier in the year when I told you he'd take a leap under Billy Donovan because Jim Boylan didn't know how to use him? Do you want to see the Billy Donovan effect in full force outside of the numbers that I just told you about? Hear me out here. Last year, Lowry averaged 14.7 points per game. That was a four points per game drop off. This year so far, it's early, but it, this year, 18.6 points per game. Three-point percentage. Last year, 34.4%. That was down 17% from the year before. This year, 36.5%. He is averaging now 6.6 .6 rebounds per game. Last year was 6.3. His field goal percentage last year was 42.5%. This year, 47.5% from the field. Granted, he's, he's played nine games because he was out in COVID protocols as well. But I told you Lowry Marketing was going to take a leap. Nobody listened to me. It seemed like nobody listened when I said, everyone was like, oh, yeah, okay, Lowry's, Lowry's terrible. You want to say that now? I told you so. I told you so. Let's look at the Bulls' upcoming schedule here. Because obviously last night's loss to the Lakers. <laughs> Yikes. But again, not totally unexpected, considering A, second half of back-to-back, -back, and B, is a full-strength Lakers team. They're the champions for a reason. Monday, against the Boston Celtics. Wednesday, that was Monday the 25th. Wednesday the 27th, at Memphis. Saturday, January 30th, at, or at home against Portland. So, three big games. I don't know if Boston's at full strength yet. I know they had a, a mini COVID outbreak. But I could see a couple wins in there. And then, uh, Monday, February 1st, Home against the New York Knicks. Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks. You know, Tom Thibodeau's been in conversation for Coach of the Year because the Knicks are, you know, winning games and they beat the Warriors the other day. 
Tom Thibodeau in Coach of the Year conversations after people were complaining and whining and moaning about, oh, he's playing him so many minutes early on. You know what you're getting into with Tom Thibodeau. The guy likes to play big minutes. He likes to play guys big minutes. And I don't hold him wholly responsible for Derrick Rose's injury, but the big minutes did kind of play a role in that. Before I move on here, I got some Bears talk and some Blackhawks talk, which Blackhawks just, uh, Puck just dropped for the Hawks. Uh, they're facing the Red Wings again. Um, an update on the new podcast I'm working on. If you missed it on my Twitter, if you missed it last week on the show, I'm hosting a new Bulls podcast, new project I'm working on called Believe in Bulls for the Believe Podcast Network. The podcast feed is now live. I tweeted out the link. It's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. I think it's coming to Google soon. It's coming soon. First episode is. The teaser is out. You can hear what I have started for the intro. I'm very proud of the intro I have for this podcast. Um, I'm operating as my own producer for this one as well. New episodes for Believe in Bulls, Wednesdays. Whether I record them Tuesday night or Wednesday morning is yet to be seen. But Wednesdays, Believe in Bulls, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. And we'll have bon- I'll have bonus episodes too. We'll have trade deadline, free agency, draft, maybe playoffs, maybe a big game. We'll have bonus episodes too, but regular episodes coming Wednesdays on the Believe Podcast Network, Believe in Bulls. Please subscribe. I would really appreciate it if you subscribe to it, Apple, Spotify, wherever. That's just an update on that. Stay tuned to my Twitter and Facebook for more. But I did want to provide that update. I have decided on what day of the week to post the podcast. I don't know how much I want to dive into the Blackhawks, other than, as I said, they just uh, dropped puck against the Detroit Red Wings, second game against them. Uh, Just want to bring up again that the Blackhawks beat the Red Wings the other day. Blackhawks and Red Wings don't like each other. And I know as a Blackhawks fan, not a big Red Wings fan. Sorry, Jonah. Um, I'm glad the Blackhawks got a win. I do want them to tank still, but hey, let them win a game once in a while, especially against Detroit. And just an update on that, uh, Detroit's already on the power play, two minutes in. So it's going great. Kevin Lankinen got his first win the other night in goal. That was good to see. The goalie situation is very fluid for the Blackhawks this year. Obviously, you got Kevin Lankin in there. You got Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban. I still think this is a hodgepodge team. I... Still confused as to why Jeremy Colleton got a got an extension outside of the reason I heard from my guy Ben Pope that it lines up with Stan Bowman's contract and all the other core contracts. And when I say the core, I mean Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane. Makes sense to me, I guess. But yeah, really nothing else to report on the Blackhawks other than they got a win. Cool. Yay, they got a win. See if they can do it again today against Detroit, going on right now. Some Bears news came out the other day. Bears promoted, well, promoted. They, they hired a new defensive coordinator, promoted him from within. Uh, you've heard me mention his name a couple times, Sean Desai. He's been with the Bears since 2013. And I, I, did I bring it up on the air last week? I feel like I brought it up on the air last week that Jay Rogers was my top choice for defensive coordinator. But he left for for San Diego. Wow, first time I've done that in a while. For the LA Chargers position. Wow, I haven't called him San Diego in a long time. Wow. I'm only halfway through this coffee. Maybe I, maybe I need to drink this a little more. I already said John Lester is the biggest free agent signing in baseball history earlier in the show. Here I am talking about the San Diego Chargers. Maybe I'll talk about the Oakland Raiders. And if, if I... Haven't had enough coffee. Maybe I'll start talking hockey about the Atlanta Thrashers. (laughs) But anyway, Jay Rogers went to the L.A. Chargers with Brandon Staley as the new head coach, former former Bears coach, former assistant. So Sean Desai became my top choice to replace Chuck Pagano. Or if you've heard Dave Wanstead say his name, old Chucky Pagano. I I love (laughs) Wani. So yeah, you won't hear about Chucky Pagano anymore on uh, 670 to score or NBC Sports Chicago. But Sean Desai's new defensive coordinator, I think he's earned it. Uh, Sam Ocho has been around on Twitter and making his radio rounds on the score, talk, just 
singing this guy's praises. They call him Doc because he has a PhD. So you you have Dr. Sean as your defensive coordinator. And I think it's a good choice. I think if you got you had to promote from within, as I said last week. It's not a very attractive job anymore, not what it was when Vic Fangio stepped away for the Denver Broncos head coaching job. It's not the job it was back then. So I'm, gl- I'm glad the Bears promoted from within. I think they got it right. Obviously, everything could change, you know, in a few months, end of the season when the whole thing gets blown up finally. Obviously, things can change. That's probably why you promote from within, but I'm glad Sean Desai has this opportunity. Hey, the Blackhawks scored. The Blackhawks are up one nothing. Cool. That just happened. This is fun. I've never done a show in the middle of a live game. This is fun. <laughs> I can get used to this. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So Hawks are winning one nothing in the first period against Detroit. <laughs> Wow, this, this is cool. Uh, but anyway, no, promoting from within was the right move here. Uh, Sean Desai has earned this job. He's been with the Bears since 2013. And he started, as I want to say, quality control, which I, people are, people talk about quality control coaches. Like, oh, it's just quality control. You know, quality control coaches do a little bit of everything, right? They do. They work with offense. They work with defense. They work with special teams. I mean, the best, honestly, Best head coaches, like you look at like the John Harbaugh's, they're special teams guys because they're kind of they're kind of a jack of all trades, and quality control coaches are the same way. They're kind of they're jack of all trades, and I think this was the right choice for at least this season. I don't know if he stays past this season, but I'm glad the Bears got it right. And some other some some more news out of the NFC North came out yesterday. Matthew Stafford has formally requested a trade out of Detroit with the Lions. It was not unexpected. We've been hearing about a potential divorce all year. But here we are now. Matthew Stafford has requested a trade, and the first thing that comes across my timeline, Bears, question mark? No. Let me tell you why. I looked I looked up Matthew Stafford's contract. Uh, I think it's, is it Spot Track, is how you pronounce it? Sport, sport Track? Whatever they they track salary cap in the NFL. Matthew Stafford, his current contract. He is due next year. Twenty twenty one. Base salary nine and a half million, cap hit thirty three million, dead cap nineteen million. Basically, what I'm saying is he has an expensive contract. Now, let's not forget here. The Bears have another expensive contract in their quarterback room, a guy named Nick Foles. So, no, I don't think they should try for Matt Stafford because they've already got Nick Foles. You don't need Stafford and Foles. You don't, you don't need the two of them. Like You're stuck with Nick Foles. Nobody's going to want that contract. The only reason the Bears wanted that contract is because Matt Nagy picked Nick Foles, and the Bears said, okay, we'll get him. We'll get him for you, Matt. He's your guy. Still, I still, let me, let me be very clear when I say that. I'm just making a joke. I do think that Matt Nagy can see quarterback talent. Just don't think Nick Foles was the guy. I've just never been a fan of Nick Foles' game. And even during the season, I kept saying, I'm not, I don't like this. But you're stuck with him. So if you really want to fix the quarterback position, well, it wouldn't be instant. If you want to make an effort at fixing the quarterback position, go to the draft. Now, I don't want Ryan Pace picking that quarterback. I know he's still there. You heard me talk about it last week at the oh-so-great press conference. I don't want Ryan Pace's fingerprints anywhere near that pick. I want Matt Nagy to make that pick. I want it to be Matt's pick. Tell him, hey, Ryan, I want this guy. And I want it to be Mac Jones. I really like Mac Jones's game. I saw a mock draft last night. I want to say it was Todd McShay. Has Mac Jones project- projected to go 21st to the Colts? Make it 20th to the Bears, please. The obvious solution to the quarterback situation is just go sign Deshaun Watson. Or go sign. Go trade for Deshaun Watson. 
give them whatever they want. As I keep, I keep it's the third third week in a row. I brought up this trade because I'm trying to speak it into existence. Give the Texans whatever they want. Make him governor. Yes, I'm not talking mayor. Make him governor. I don't care. Name Lakeshore Drive after him. Name the stadium after him. Give them Roquan Smith. Give them. I don't want to. I don't want to give up Staley the Bear. But if they want Staley the Bear, they can have Staley the Bear. That's the obvious solution to solving the quarterback problem. Matthew Stafford would not solve the quarterback problem because that would be another huge cap hit. A salary cap the Bears are already up against because they're paying their defense a lot of money. Which is why Sean Desai needs to get the best out of these guys. Because I I think a change of scenery was needed. Or a change of scenery, if you want to call it that, a changing of the guard was needed. Whatever, whatever phrase you want to go with here. They needed a fresh face. And I think Sean Desai can get the best out of these guys. Because again, he is very well regarded. I don't think I've heard a bad thing about him. If I have, I must not have known they were talking about him because I hear a lot of good about Sean Desai on this defense. And the other thing, I buried the lead here. He's a Vic Fangio disciple. He was Vic's right-hand man. And the Bears already got an endorsement from Vic Fangio. And people say they got an endorsement from the Godfather himself. Vic Fangio has endorsed this hire. Are they going to be Super Bowl caliber? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they're going to be better than this year, which I guess isn't very hard to do because this year they kind of regressed to an okay defense. But my what got me to this, the salary cap. You're paying that defense a lot of money. You don't have the defense. You don't have the defense. You don't have the, the, the salary cap. You don't have the space to pay a guy like Matthew Stafford. When you're, again, if Nick Foles wasn't on this team and you weren't paying him, how, how, how much is he supposed to make this year? 20 plus million or something like that? Some obscene amount of money? I'd be having a different tone about this because I, I wholeheartedly believe, and so far I haven't heard anything to the contrary, Mitchell Trubisky is as good as gone, which is good. It's good for both sides. Both sides need to move on because the 2017 draft is still talked about in a bad way in Chicago. So it's best for both sides to move on. That's why, you, again, I, my attitude is go to the draft. Go to the draft and draft Mac Jones. And I agree with Daryl, who just he sent me another DM. I'm in with Mac Jones. Keep drafting quarterbacks until you find a real quarterback. And I really like Mac Jones. I really do. And Jonah Blatt chiming in. Feelings mutual, baby boy, about the uh, Blackhawks-Red Wings rivalry. Yeah. But, hey, Hawks are winning again. If they're going to beat anybody, I want them to beat Detroit. He also says, uh, you don't have enough regarding the Watson trade. You know what? You're not going to ruin my fun. You're not going to ruin my fun here. I'm going to talk about this trade. I'm going to speak it into existence. They're going to – again, they can trade – like trade the whole – trade Soldier Field. I know the Bears don't own the field. Go to the Park District – had them sell Soldier Field to the Texans to get Deshaun Watson. Just let me have my fun, okay? You got your new head coach who wants to, what was it, bite off kneecaps or whatever Dan Campbell said. You you, you got that in Detroit. Give me Deshaun Watson. One thing about head coaches in the NFL, by the way, I'm not saying Dan Campbell's a bad hire. I'm not saying any of these guys, Robert Sala's a bad hire. I'm not saying that. How does Eric Bieniemy not have a job lined up yet? I mean... How does this guy, I know the playoffs are still going on. I know there's still games he can't do a whole lot in terms of interviews while the season's still going on. But how has this guy not lined up a head coaching job yet? I mean, like, that that just blows my mind. Again, I have said it over and over. If the Bears were going to make a head coaching change this offseason, I was going to say, Eric Bieniemy is my top choice. If you could handpick a coach, it's Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City. I'm a big fan. I just wanted to throw that out there. The Hawks just scored again. Pius Suter again. 
two nothing Hawks in the first period. How about that? He's got two goals already in the first period. Wow. You know, I already said it, and I'll, I'll say it again here. I, <laughs> I've never done a live show while a game is going on. This, this is awesome. I got updates. I have my tweet deck open during the show every day. Every day I do this. I mean, I, I get tweets coming in in real time on here, and that's how I get my DMs and everything. And this, this is just too much fun, watching these tweets and Blackhawks Twitter going crazy. Uh, my buddy Reese Johnson tweeting, Pius Suter going for the first period natural hat trick alert. Uh, my buddy Ted Banford said, Pius Suter's on the, on the board again. Yeah, this is, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, this is this is great. But anyway, back to what I'm saying here because I've only got a few minutes left. Yeah, Eric Bianami needs to be a head coach somewhere, and he has expressed interest in wanting to be a head coach. And I know Andy Reid has come out and supported him, and I know he's had other other people vouch for him during press conferences. He, I know he's a humble guy, so in the press conferences, he's he's kind of like, yeah, I want to be a head coach, but we're focused on Buffalo. I get that. But, no, that guy needs to be a head coach. Absolutely needs to be a head coach. With a few minutes left, speaking of the football games, uh, Super Bowl is coming up because today is Championship Sunday. NFC Championship, AFC Championship, all today. Packers-Bucks coming up first. I believe that's at 2 or 2.30. And then Chiefs-Bills coming up at 5.40 tonight. Patrick Mahomes coming off concussion protocol. He's, I think he's going to be a full go today. I haven't heard anything to the contrary. He's also dealing with turf toe, which I know Ian Rappaport's talking about maybe surgery coming up after the season. I know like toe issues aren't fun and it's tough to play on, so I'll ver- I'm very curious to see how Patrick Mahomes comes out today, especially after the concussion last week. I think the Packers beat the Buccaneers. I hate to say it, but I think the Packers are going to the Super Bowl. If the the Chiefs game is going to be so contingent on how Patrick Mahomes plays. You saw how they were last week with Chad Henney. Henney thinks possible, by the way. Just want to throw that out there. With Chad Henney, they're a different team. When you lose your star quarterback, yeah, you're a different team. The Browns could have found a way to come back and win, but they're the Browns. If Mahomes is playing at full strength today, I think the Chiefs win, and I think they win the Super Bowl. If Mahomes isn't at full strength, if his toe is bothering him, I know he's out of he's out of concussion protocol, so I'm not worried about that. If his toe is bothering him too much, and he's not playing at full strength, Bills win. Bills win the Super Bowl. I don't think Green Bay wins the Super Bowl. I don't. I just think at some point they're going to lose. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna win the Super Bowl. Uh, Daryl chiming in one more time just before we wrap up. Don't forget, Nagy had the job, had the job before him. Being a good assistant doesn't mean you're a good head coach. Think of all the failed Belichick assistants. I, I mean, yeah, I, I get that, but also I'm just at some point. I mean, think about what Nagy's done in Chicago, though. He hasn't had a losing season. I know he's been riding the defense's coattails, but I mean. I think Nagy's better than I, – I said it before. Nagy's not the problem. I do think Eric Bieniemy. on I, – I think if, you, if I had to choose between two of them, I'd take Eric Bieniemy. if it came down to it. But I, I don't think you can – I don't think you can talk about – don't forget that Nagy had the job before him because that's – it's different. They didn't have Patrick Mahomes back then too. But I'm almost out of time here. But again, my prediction for the Super Bowl, it's just contingent on which Patrick Mahomes we get. But next week we'll be talking Super Bowl here on WLUW, and I'll be talking Bulls, definitely. Be sure to tune in. First episode of Believe in Bulls comes out this week. Every Wednesday you will have a new episode of Believe in Bulls wherever you get your podcasts. And there could be some bonus episodes in there too. Stay tuned to my Twitter and my Facebook for that. But yeah, enjoy some football today. Enjoy the Blackhawks game because the Blackhawks are up two to nothing on the Red Wings right now in the first period. <laughs> it's, 
I just like saying the Blackhawks are beating the Red Wings in the interest of full disclosure. <laughs> just too much, so much fun to say. Hopefully I can do more of these shows during live sporting events because this is fun, watching these tweets come in and seeing the reaction from the beat writers and everything. It'd be better if I was in studio with a phone line and everything, but for this semester we're working remote, no phone line, so keep tweeting at me, keep shooting into my DMs, and keep interacting during the week on Twitter. I'm out of time, so... Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask. I'll see you next week. Have a great week, everybody.